Welcome to Macav Community Church. I'm Leon Stevenson. I'm blessed to, to serve as pastor here. I, uh, I have a, a number of traits, and some people might say I have a trait of talking too much. Uh, it's, it's somewhat associated with pastors. They got the, the gift of gab. Some people might say that I, um, I get a little too excited sometimes. Like, we'll be in a conversation, and I scare people because they'll tell me something that they did. I'm like, what? That's dope. Like, you... Oh, I'm sorry. Great. You did. That was really good. Like, like I'm like, I'm really expressive and I get excited. And one of the traits that I have, though, is this this like trait of listening. I really enjoy understanding and hearing people share. Share. Sometimes it's share what God is doing. Sometimes a person isn't there yet. And it's share like some of the struggles they're having. Sometimes it's to share their story of success. And oftentimes, I will listen to people who are really successful because I want to hear, what did God do? How did they get there? And this past week, there's been a, a cool debate. Well, actually, the past two weeks, there's been a cool debate about uh, one of my favorite athletes, uh, LeBron James. And he just, just took the scoring title from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, Kareem is like, one of the greatest of all time. And, and I was listening to Kareem and LeBron talk about the Hall of Fame, of how there's going to be a day where LeBron enters into the Hall of Fame, Kareem already a Hall of Famer. And the Hall of Fame is this, this like uh, uh, group of people who were seemingly the best of the best. And while Kareem shares his story of success, of how he got to the Hall of Fame, one of the things mentioned is the 486 times he lost. He failed. See, we sometimes, as people, can be drawn to the success. We can see what the accomplishment is, but we don't know behind the scene there's some, some failures. And so today, as we dive into God's word, the Lord is going to help us see that failure does not discount. Failure does not eliminate your ability to still be successful. For some of us, it may even contribute to it. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews. We've been in our, our series where we are focusing our lens on Christ. We are being drawn into the beauty of who Jesus is. Today, I'm, I'm realizing the Lord's going to have us go a little bit astray from the slides I have up there. So today, it will be important that you have your Bible. You can go ahead now and go to Hebrews chapter 11. This is called the Hall of Faith. If you got Hall of Fame for uh, athletes and all of that, this is called the Hall of Fame, excuse me, the Hall of Faith. People who have walked in faithfulness to God and are celebrated as some amazing people that we can see as pillars, but it wasn't without some failure. Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And you can go ahead and we're going to start reading at verse 23. Because Pastor K got us going last week by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Oh, sorry, Pastor K. I, I, it, it, it settled in me. I was getting hype, okay. Uh, we're going to have somebody drop the beat next time. We get it. But starting at verse 23. 
By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Lord, I want to make sure as I prayed for the kids, I prayed for the adults. Lord, would you allow your spirit to rest? We got a lot of stuff that's on our minds, a lot of uh, responsibilities. Lord, let us be fully present in this moment. Those that are in this sanctuary and those that are in the sanctuary of their home, Lord, would you allow our minds to be able to focus on you during this time? It's in Jesus' name we pray. By faith, verse 23, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith. Moses is a, a, a really um, pillar example for the people of God, somebody to look to. When you think of like the, the, the name that comes to mind, it's like Moses and Abraham, they see these men as without any flaws oftentimes, and it was a, it was a blind spot in the view of, of the people of God. And so this Hebrew writer is trying to help make sure that they see the fullness of these images, the fullness of who Moses is, because Moses is not Jesus. No one is Jesus. And no matter how high you lift him, Jesus is alone. But Moses is a good example to encourage us in our faith. Faith. Faith is this thing that, that this chapter of 11, I, I did a sermon on it two weeks ago. Pastor Kay did a sermon on it last week, and I'm finishing out this chapter this week. Why? Because faith is something that is key to our walks with God. But faith is not just an idea. See, the, the writer keeps giving you examples of faith because faith that's not in action is nothing. It's dead. It's worthless. And so you and I need a bunch of examples to be like, maybe, maybe I can have that. Maybe that's achievable for me. Maybe faith is something that I can walk in. Today we're going to look at two examples of people that I think connect with you deeply. Moses and Rahab. Moses. Moses is a leader. Moses is one who God had a beautiful plan for his life. Moses was saved from all types of persecution. Moses could have hid under the radar, slipped in with the Egyptians because he was already in the royal family and just continued bawling. Moses. But Moses sees the oppression of his people. Moses sees 
his family being treated, being mistreated and says, I don't care what the pain is. I'm going to rock with my family. But there is some stuff about our beautiful brother Moses that is some of the failures. While your finger is in Hebrews 11, I need you to flip back to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Actually, I'm going to have you flip to Exodus chapter 3. Chapter 2 is about his birth, and that'll be good for you to see. Be good for you to see God's hand and favor over him. But, but Exodus chapter 3 starts with an, an experience of Moses is before God, and he meets him at this burning bush. And uh, Brother Charles, you don't have that one, so don't even, don't even worry. I, you, you'll, you'll catch back on with me. We'll be good. Exodus chapter 3. Somebody tell me what page that is in our, in our Bibles. 80. 80. Amen. You're right in the beginning. <laughs> one. No, okay. Uh, so in, in Moses has this experience with God at this burning bush. And Moses in verse 5 says, uh, he hears God say, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He knew he was in the presence of God. He now has experienced God in a way like no other person has. You're talking about a bush burning, but nothing actually smoking and burning like like this doesn't make sense. And then God speaks him a voice as clear as you can hear mine I would have been good that that would have been enough for me set anything on fire and it don't burn and I'm good <laughs> then you add a voice to it and it start talking come on y'all I, I don't need nothing else but if we can be honest most of us actually are more like Moses. Look here, you're still in Exodus chapter 3. So now in verse 10, he says, So now go, and I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Hear what Moses says. Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Wait, 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 you talking to me? Okay, wait, wait, wait. I know there was a burning bush. I know all that, but, but who am I? You, you see how that, how that worry starts to creep in after God has spoken? You see how that, that doubt, that, that, that second guessing, that, that attempt to start placing what God says based on our ability? Okay, this is what he does not once. Scroll down to verse 14. So, all right, this, this is who I want you to tell him I am. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. All right? There, there's the Yahweh, I am. The, the always, always was, is, and forever will be. This, this presence that cannot be fully described, who has spoken straight to you, is telling you, tell him I am. All right, flip over to the next page, next chapter. Chapter 4. What's Moses saying? Verse 1. 
But what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? See that you see the the levels of worry, of doubt, of almost talking himself out of what God is telling him to do. See, Moses is a man that we should model our lives after because he was trying to be like Christ. He, he is a man that loved God dearly, but he's a man, broken, had some struggles. Oh, you thought it was over? Wait, can, hold up, scroll down. Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since. Have you spoken to your servant? I am slow of speech and tongue. You, 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 you didn't pick the wrong one. I don't. As if a speech impediment or stuttering somehow holds back the power of God. But what is Moses seeing? Moses is seeing all the reasons why he's disqualified instead of all the reasons why God is qualified to work through him. Through him. Through you. Verse 13, I think it gets as, as plain as it can get. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. I said, my shoes don't fit, my feet hurt, my car ain't got no gas. Okay, I don't want to go. You know, you make up all these excuses. I lost my keys. I lost my keys. Come on down. <laughs> I lost my keys. For the, for the folks that's like, why is that funny? So your pastor lost his keys today. Start rolling. <laughs> but, but there is a verse where it's, it's, it's almost as if uh, God says God's anger begins to surface, and he almost says, like, all right, now you're getting on my nerves, Moses. You're getting on, you're getting on my nerves with this. But what I love is a response from Moses where he goes back to, uh, in verse 18, it doesn't say Moses begins to, like, respond by uh, uh, painting a big mural that says, I'll go. It doesn't say that he stood up and said, okay, the revelation has sunk in, and now I realize all of the dynamic ways you've spoken to me, and I shall move in the way. It, it doesn't say that he goes and talks to all of his friends, like, let me tell you what happened. I, I got it. I should have been walking with him. From, it says in verse 18, then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. The response to God's call by Moses is just to take a step. I'm just going to faithfully go. I'm just going to buy faith. I don't even know if all the people who were enslaved are still alive, but I can take step one. Go see, as God is calling me to. 
See, Moses is a man of faith, not because all that he said, not because of all of the words he gave, which he will give many examples of faith. Moses is a man of faith, though, because he took steps of obedience. Steps of obedience, and sometimes we want it to be like, like, like this, you know, big thing, and it's like, just trust me in one step at a time. And hear me, and your failures, you questioning me, all of the doubts you had, don't discredit, and they won't eliminate what I've called you to. You see, some of us talk ourselves out of taking the step and then when God says, okay, yep, you messed up, still take the step. We're like, no, I didn't discount it. My, I, didn't, I didn't messed up too bad. You, still, you can't use me now because I didn't listen. Take the step. That's what faith is. Faith not in action is dead, is worthless, is nothing. But faith is us being willing to take the steps that God leads us on because of who he is. Because of who he is. And that, that's, that's one thing that's really important as we think of our faith, as we think of the faith God gives us. Our faith is different than that of the world. But sometimes we as Christians act like the world can't have faith. I had a lot of faith. I had a faith that thought I could beat anyone if they wanted to fight. I learned that lesson. I had the faith that, that thought there was no woman that could say no, I just needed the right word. I had the faith that, that said money was mine, no matter what way I could get it, I'll find a way. Just give me enough hustle and I will get it. If it ain't legal, this whole world ain't legal. I'm cool. Like, like I had faith in systems that advanced me. So don't think the world doesn't have faith. See, Moses' faith was in the living God. That's very different. That's very different. See, that faith will lead you to look kind of crazy. Look with me. All right, Charles, we're going back. We're go, we going to, uh, we're still in, where am I at? Where am I at, Jesus? We're in Exodus. Stay there. Go to chapter 10, verse 14. 10, uh, why do I got 10 and 11 up here? Help me out. 14, okay. As fair, oh, 14, sorry, Exodus chapter 14, sorry, starting at verse 10. I wrote down the wrong address. Thank you, Pastor K. Probably keeping me right. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, 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 at this point, the people of God have left. Moses has led the people of God out, and now the people of God uh, uh, are, are experiencing two things. One, they've experienced freedom. We're no longer shackled. We're no longer uh, making these bricks. We no longer being slaves. We free. But on this journey, Pharaoh starts chasing. 
they become terrified, start crying out to the Lord. Look at verse 11. What do they say? They say to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Do, do, do you see how your faith may make you look crazy, especially when a situation gets rough? Especially when a situation gets, gets shaky, especially when people begin to see a potential pain in sight. See, faith will start sliding out the door real quick when pain starts to enter in. That's a good way to start understanding some of the depths of friendships. How do we go through a painful season together? Will you bail on me or you got my back? But there's a uh, there's an experience that then happens that, that communicates the beauty of faith in God and the pain of faith in the world. Now, Pharaoh's coming. What are we going to do? Moses hears from God. God gives instructions. Put the staff down. I'm going to part the Red Sea. God starts rolling back the waters and the waves, and there's dry land before the people of God, Pharaoh coming, the people of God in faith, because Moses has faith. He's trusting God this whole way, getting frustrated sometimes, uh, darts on his back even from his own people, but he's faithful. In his faithfulness, God shows up, parts the Red Sea, Look what God does when we have faith in him. He does miracles, miracles, miracles. The people of God walk through on dry land, are safe. They had faith that God would keep those waves back. Faith in God, he will show up and show out. But Pharaoh had faith too. Pharaoh sees the same walls back, sees the same dry land, but see, his faith was based on vengeance, was based on anger, was based on oppression. So now he says, cool, they went through, I'm going through too. See, one faith needs, leads to new life. If you don't know the story, Pharaoh's crew starts going through. And then the waves begin to come back. And they see, oh my goodness, and try to give, try to run, but many lives were lost. Death was experienced. Why? Because your faith was in the wrong thing. See, Moses is an example of us to put our faith in God. Even when we worry, even when we doubt, he can still use us. But a faith in God can produce miracles. A faith in the world always, always, always leads to death. Always leads to death. And so we get these Hall of Fame figures like Moses so that we can be like, hold up. I don't have to be perfect to have faith. I can struggle, I can have worry, I can have doubt, and God can still use me? Yes. And guess what? And do miracles with you. And work through you. And do some amazing things. I'm not making you Moses. You ain't going to partner. Well, maybe you're part of Rizzi. I can't say what you won't do. 
I don't think I'm going through the Red Sea if you part it. But I'm just saying. Oh, I got to have that. <laughs> Robin, like, meet me at Belle Isle after church, Pastor. Come on. <laughs> but God can use you. Don't let your worry discount what God can do. He's with you. And he'll walk with you in those worries and say, I'm going to take a step. Look with us for our next, our next example, our sister Rahab. Back in Hebrews. Ah, I can't leave y'all without mentioning her sister because she was just such a bomb. Uh, a a Moses-like faith of, of moving forward based on what was given her, taking a step at a time. There's a sister named Louise Cecilia Fleming. And there's a website about her uh, that I took this from. Uh, she was born into slavery. And there's a picture of my sister on the, on the screen. Uh, her first pursuits, uh, excuse me, she was a public educator and the first female black missionary appointed to the American Baptist Convention. She graduated from Shaw University uh, and was valedictorian. One later, she received a request from the Women's Baptist Foreign Missionary Society to be the first representative teacher to go into the Congo. She sailed to the Congo, where she used her education to improve the lives of children she met there. She used her position, though, to see Congolese students go to Shaw University. The first of these students was Etsy Carolina, who arrived in 1888 when she was 14. But her, her health deteriorated, and she was forced back to the States in 1891. Realizing the importance of proper medical care for the people she loved in the Congo, she enrolled that same year in the Women's Medical College in Philadelphia. Four years later, she returned to the Congo, the only known female medical doctor in the entire country. She worked for years caring for the sick and the impoverished, and she set up networks where people could experience and receive medical care. Louise Cecilia Fleming attributes first her getting an opportunity to go and be educated. She took that step. Then someone called and said, would you be a missionary? She took that step. Then she realized the networks of people hurting through medicine, and she took that step. And all of this she attributes to God's leading. I don't know what God's going to call you to. I pray you feel encouraged by all three of those expressions, though. Some of you are called to be amazing ministers in your work environment. Some of you are called to be the greatest light that people will see where you work. Some of you are supposed to be missionaries. Some of you are supposed to be going outside of your comfort zone in order to see other people experience God. And some of you need to get some more training. Praise the Lord. Whatever it is, all it takes is a step forward and see God work. Back to Hebrews 11. You're like, Pastor, you didn't only got through two people. Don't worry, I ain't going to be but two and a half, maybe nine more hours. That's all. All right. So uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31 says, By faith the pro prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. This will be, let me give you a little context for who Rahab is. And it's going to be up here on the screen. If you feel like flipping quick, you can go to Joshua chapter 2. 
Uh, we're going to read verses 8 through 11. It says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a, fe a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. What's going down? So, so we got, we got uh, the people of God want to take over Jericho. Jericho is a main city. Uh, and and they, they realize the importance of this city being uh, taken over for God's advancement. But the king is not having it. And the king gets wind that Joshua has sent two spies. The two spies end up connecting with Rahab. Rahab says, I will hide y'all. They're going to try to kill y'all. Go up on my roof so nobody knows. Rahab says, guess what? I heard some stuff about y'all, God. And this is the interesting part that, that the Bible displays, and I love it because it helps the most arrogant person get chopped down. See, Rahab says, I heard some stuff about y'all. I heard about y'all. God, I heard that even the, the strongest man, the person with the most, the most confidence is fearful of your God. But guess where she heard about it? In pillow talk. She ain't hear about it through, through uh, an announcement on the PA system. She ain't hear about it. Nobody sent her an Instagrammy. Yeah, I'm going to say something every time because I'll be messing up so much social media. I'm just going to do it every time. No Instagrammy. No, you know. She was sleeping constantly with brothers. And these warriors, these big men that everyone was fearing would seem like little scared kids upon her bed, and they would talk about the greatness of God, and it convicted her heart. And why does the Bible, the Bible could just simply say Rahab, but the Bible lets you know the context because this woman, even in the midst of making bad decisions, decisions that were not godly, came to God. Her past does not determine how much faith she would have in God. So what does that mean for us? That means stop disqualifying yourself. Stop thinking or even considering that what you've done in your past is so bad that God can't work through you. It's so bad that you can't submit and acknowledge who God is. Don't you dare view it that way. There is no... no God is a God of forgiveness. He's a God that longs to see us all grow. And some of us are, are struggling because maybe we don't have Rahab type sins, but we got some other type sins that we get embarrassed of. That if y'all saw and if you could see, you would begin to start crying. You begin to start, start struggling. It, it, it can get heavy when you think of some of your past actions. I was, uh, I was, it, 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 was, it, was it was funny. I'm uh, trying to say, Lord, give me the word. So uh, 
We, we got a car, uh, just, just, just bought a used car yesterday. I'm in the house, and uh, I'm in the house, and I go put the child seat in it this morning, um, and then I take the keys and I say, uh, I'm going to put the keys right here so that I don't lose the keys. I know I'm gonna put them right here because the kids is up. I'm trying to get breakfast going in. My beautiful wife took my daughter to, to uh, an event that she had. So I'm running the house. I'm like, cool, all right. Put them right here because I'm not gonna forget them. Uh, um, it's time to go. Everybody ready? They outside waiting at the van. I can't find the key. Right they right there, you know, they're right there. <laughs> Safe, and Safe and sound, right there looking at it. And you know, when I walk in the house, it's gonna be like, you know, but, 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 but I, uh, I struggle a bit with organization. Y'all, I want to be organized so bad, and sometimes I work like 10 times to do one thing that would be so easy for somebody who organization comes naturally to. So as I'm looking for these keys, now, like, now I hear Satan's voice. See, this is just an example of your true love for the church. If you love the church enough, you would have set this up last night. If you did, if you love. Satan will come and start taking that that area that you feel a failure in and go deep. And if I could tell you all some of the words that I was hearing as I was walking here, because I was walking here, I was like, I don't know where the keys are, so I got to get the kids. Cool, we just start walking. Throw the baby in the stroller, we walking. And as I'm walking, the Lord is like, son, there was like, ah, all right. The Lord is like, hey, son, uh, do you remember when I spoke to you? And I told you to move. I, I told you to move. You wouldn't have been able to walk to the church had you not taken a step of faith to move just blocks away. See, y'all, like, like I don't know if I'm going to ever be organized. I'm going to say it now because some of y'all are going to have meetings with me and I might be late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm ever be organized. What I know, though, is that all of the shortcomings I have do not discount God's work in our lives, in my life, and how God can use me. The faith that God gives is not dependent on my past mistakes. It ain't even dependent on my current mistakes. God loves us. He wants to work through us, and he's looking at Rahab like Rahab. My beautiful daughter, my beautiful daughter, you've chosen me. And guess what? Not only did you say, yep, I believe in God, you took a step. You hid them. You, you, they told you, hang the scarlet out your window so that we know not to come back to your place. We're going to destroy every place else. We'll save your place. Like, like, and guess what? The lineage of Jesus flows through Rahab. 
So what disqualifies you? What steals away your faith? Nothing. Not your worry, not your past behavior. Nothing disqualifies you from God's ability to work through you because of faith. I'm going to end with a, 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 a reflection on one of the top three experiences I've had in my life. Like, you know, I, I've, I've been able to have some awesome trips. My first trip, the best trip I ever had in my life, honeymoon with my wife. Sorry, y'all. Yep. Hallelujah. Uh, trip number two. The service, the, the 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 crew sent me on a uh, on on a on a sabbatical that was like amazing, amazing, and 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 this church like 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 you guys are so amazing. But then my my homie Brian, I won't say homie, I'll say my brother Brian because he 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 is truly family. Uh, he got me connected with this organization, and we went on a on this trip, it's called a Sankofa trip, and I can't tell you all about it, but I'm gonna tell you one of the 12, eight stops we went on. Uh, and it was at a, the Legacy Museum that this man named Brian Stevenson put together. Uh, so my white homie Brian, this should be a picture of me and him by the Civil Rights Institute picture. Then we going in the Legacy Museum, that's him there. But then there's a black man named Brian, not that white Brian, black Brian is Brian Stevenson. And he created uh, this legacy museum, and he created uh, this memorial. It's called the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. And at this memorial, uh, and there are so many like riveting experiences there, but one of the memorials, one of the experiences at the memorial, are these uh, steel rusted squares. Each of those squares represents a county, uh, and, and they just did 12 states in the South. Each of those squares represents a county, uh, and in that county, they have inscribed on the squares the names of people that have been documented as being lynched. Lynched. So I'm in this place. And you start to see one. And then you start to read the reasons why people were lynched. And the reasons were things like uh, winked at a woman, uh, did not move off of the sidewalk, preached a sermon that was too emphatic, spoke scripture to us in a way that was demeaning, wanted voting rights. Oftentimes, next to the person's name, it would have that they were a pastor or preacher. So I go past this, this steel column, there's one. Then there's you know, you see that one that says Greenwood up there, uh, Charles? Greenwood, South, Greenwood County, South Carolina. That one, you can see the names listed all the way down it. Then you start to see a picture of me, and you can see behind my head 
there's maybe 80. Each of those represents a county that has multiple names on it. Then you see one that's all a hallway full of these names. And then there's this statement that's etched out. It says, for the hanged and beaten, for the shot drowned and burned, for the tortured, tormented, and terrorized, for those abandoned by the rule of law, we will remember. With hope because of hopeless, because hopelessness is the new enemy of justice. With courage because peace requires bravery. With persistence because justice is a constant struggle. With faith because we shall overcome. Family, we don't have to simply have the biblical examples of people who persevered and endured all types of pain for the sake of the faith. This took place then, took place in our civil rights era, and still takes place today. Persecution is real, but it should not, it should not, it should not lead us to compromise our faith. Look at verse 36. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about it in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes and in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what has been, had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Family. Faith does not mean you will get everything you want. Sometimes you get what is beyond what you could imagine. You long for peace today. Maybe you take a step of faith and it gets us closer to peace, but maybe we don't experience the fullness of that for five more generations. But maybe we don't start to get closer to that peace without your first step. See, I know, we know, we are here because of the many lives lost. Lives of the faith lost so that Christ could be exalted. And you will find these examples in the Bible. But then those that in civil rights fought. Fought by not being willing to be silent. Fought by being willing to stand up. Fought by being willing to take God's word to heart and live it out keep saying this word, man, that's a dangerous thing for a church. To take God at his word and try to live it out. It creates movements. It changes structures. It creates an opportunity for God's presence to be felt here on earth. I know there's examples of, of Christians started hospitals and Christians started orphanages and uh, 
I'm just happy when I see somebody say, you know, I saw her hurting and I went ahead and made her some soup. Some of y'all have the mind to go and build the structures. But all of us have the awareness and the heart to respond in a small, tangible way. Let us, family, be a, a people that don't allow worry to hinder us from being used. Don't, don't let our faith be discounted because we worry or even our past behavior. No, that doesn't stop God from, from working, from moving. That doesn't stop God from operating through our faith. But our goal, our goal is heavenward. Our goal is eternal. Our goal is everlasting. And even if that means pain shall come, that goal is worth it. And so be willing to endure folks not understanding. Be willing to endure folks not agreeing with you. Be willing to endure even some persecution. It's worth it. The eternal reward is worth it. But our faith is nothing if we don't act on it. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for, for every example. I thank you, Lord, for Rahab-type faith, for Moses-type faith. I thank you, Lord, that, that we shall see them when we rejoice together in heaven someday. That, that, that De'Ara and Carrie and Herb and Stephen can all be in the hall of faith, not because of what we accomplished and what we all did, but because of who you are and you worked your faith through us. All because we were willing to act. Our names can join with Moses and Rahab and so many others who God looks upon and, and smiles because of our willingness to be obedient to him. We're saved by faith. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, we're going to sing out to Jesus and then take communion.